Hello and welcome to Autoholics Anonymous by The Autoholic. I'm Stephen Diamond. In this episode, Ryan and I catch up and review a few rental cars we experienced during recent trips to Florida, Texas, and Mexico. During our trips, we collectively drove cars from Great Britain, Japan, Korea, and even China. We also provide some helpful consumer car rental tips. So stay tuned and enjoy. Hey Ryan, what's going on? Good afternoon, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm uh, back in Rhode Island. I think last time you had me on here, I was in Houston. Yeah, you're traveling all back and forth. I think you're in Mexico as well. Yes, um, back in Rhode Island, and it's uh, it's cold again. Unfortunately, it's going to get down to freezing this week. I thought I know, summer was here. It's such a bear. We both came from uh, pretty warm climates recently. I just came back from Florida. And I was enjoying, you know, 75, 80 degree weather. And I come back to New York City and it's 45 degrees. So that's a nice warm welcome back uh, with spring. You never can predict it. You guys can hear how happy the weather is making Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, today we're going to talk about rental cars. <laughs> yeah, we've been all around. So we've had experience with a few rental cars um, me in Florida, I had a 2017 Land Rover Discovery, and Ryan had, you, you said like four in a week? Yeah, I had a crazy week uh, between Houston and Mexico, four rental cars, one week. So that's, I think that might be a record for me. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, I'll go first on the Discovery. Uh, went down to Florida, South Florida, uh, rented from Turo a 2017 Land Rover Discovery. It was a nice spec with uh, dark blue with black wheels. Um, and a nice beige and tan interior. Um, I forget how many miles we're on. I think it had 80,000. I think we brought it just over 80,000 when we picked it up. Yeah. Um, But overall, it rode really nicely. Uh, This is our second second time I've driven a Land Rover Discovery. Ryan, you and I rented one when we went up hiking in New Hampshire in 2018, I wanna say, 2017, 2018 probably. It was during the winter. Yes, it was 2018. Just before 2019 New Year's, right? Yes. Uh, And so I enjoyed, I remember enjoying that car then. That was a diesel. This one was the the V6. And uh, overall, I felt even, I feel like I did like the diesel better, even though the one that we rented there uh, didn't need more def fluid. (laughs) The the constant panic that the car is going to just stop running on you because you ran into def. (laughs) Um, but that car had very crappy tires uh, for the winter, and we came back in a snowstorm, and it was terrible. Luckily, I was in Florida, so I didn't have to worry about any snow. But actually, when I arrived, it was pouring rain. And like all Turo cars, this also had very crappy tires, old tires on it. So, uh, But overall, I felt like it handled very well uh, in the water. You know, all the there were big puddles and everything pooling up in Florida because the drainage is just so bad. It, you know, most of the time doesn't rain, but when it does, it comes down hard. Uh, but I, I felt more comfortable and I was doing better than everyone else on the road. Everyone was going slow in their sedans. And here I am with, you know, uh, a waiting depth of, you know, I don't even know. So clearly enough to get me through a, a hurricane had it came through, uh, Florida at that time. Well, it's interesting to hear that because when we drove the Discovery in New Hampshire, I almost 
that could swear that Ben, one of our friends who was with us, told us that he thought his Fiat 500 did better in the snow <laughs> than the discovery was doing. Well, I don't, you know, that was probably uh, close to a 2017 as well. And, uh, you know, crappy all-season tires in the winter, probably much worse than crappy all-season tires in the rain. In hot Florida. Hot Florida, yeah. You really can't. You don't really need tread most of the time in Florida, probably. <laughs> but I was very satisfied with the car. My mom has a, a GLE, Mercedes GLE. I forget when year. Probably around the same, 2018, 2019, maybe. Um, but that is obviously on the E-Class platform, and it drives much like a sedan, which I kind of don't like. You know, If I'm driving an SUV, I want it to feel like an SUV. I want to feel like a truck. I want to feel utilitarian and Land Rover has done, I think, a good job of kind of maintaining the ethos of the discovery of their off-road routes in their car. You just have to be prepared, I think, to expect that and want that in the car. Um, so everything was heavy. It was very boxy still. The seats, I think, are, are decently comfortable. Um, but I think if you're taller, maybe if you're your height, they wouldn't be the most comfortable. Uh, they're definitely not the Range Rover top of the line seats that you get. It doesn't feel much like an S class uh, in that sense. But it uh, boards formed at a right angle. Stephen could be comfortable in any seat because he practices yoga on a daily basis. <laughs> You're the wrong guy to talk about. I'm a little bit more flexible these days. <laughs> I'll just contort myself into a comfortable <laughs> position. Um, but yeah, I just something about these cars I really love that truckiness. Um, you that feel like you sit on top cluster? of it. Say that again. Digital gauge cluster. No, no, the analog. So the uh, the dials are analog and very clean, simple. Uh, wouldn't call them elegant or or anything special in that sense, but very easy to read, uh, very straightforward. And then the a small digital gauge in between, with the menu that was awful to figure out i was trying to use first off the buttons on the steering wheel were so confusing uh and then the whole infotainment system in the center was archaic already for even being a 2017 uh just weird old graphics uh and very basic and it wasn't very pleasant but i did appreciate the rest of the buttons on the center console in terms of fan they had nice knobs with digital inputs and those look really nice and kept pretty modern um you know the rest of it was all pretty intuitive but uh yeah the car drove really well um had some slight issues like slight pull maybe a slight vibration in the brakes just because it's a rental car and they don't feel like they need to take care of it to the best degree but 80,000 turo miles or some hard miles yeah Potentially. My brother seemed to think the guy bought it recently because on the windshield, you could see a slight out outline of like those circle uh, used dealer car oh, signs yes. where it says what year the car is. So you could see it <laughs> on the lot. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But it, it had a, a decent amount of reviews and, and, and trips on Turo. So maybe in the last few years, but probably wasn't cleaned or washed um, anytime soon. But the car felt good. It did its job, held some luggage. Um, and yeah, overall, I liked it better than the GLE in terms of being an SUV. And I really think I was trying to convince my mom to drive it and um, to get a, a show for it because she likes truck feeling SUVs. 
Um, but she wouldn't drive it in unknown territory. She didn't feel, feel very safe with it. <laughs> that was out of her comfort zone. It was, it was. Well, it's interesting what you talk about, the trucky SUV concept, because, you know, I, I think I used to feel like that. I really liked my dad's Land Rover. He had the LR2, the small yeah. one. And we also had an LR3, uh, which I, I really liked the LR3 from what I recall. That was a V8 and it rode well. I think it had like the same seats as the new Discovery though. I, when I think back to it, you know, to your point. Very similar, yeah. Very similar, yeah. And as a kid, it was fine. But, you know, these days I find that my favorite SUVs are either the big German luxurious SUVs. So like the GLS, mm -hmm. which I think drives more like a car than a, than a truck, but I love it. It, it drives like an, a spacious S-Class, you know, and, and that's that's pretty amazing to me. Or I like the American big trucks. And I was thinking to myself, do they feel like trucks in the way the Land Rover does? And I don't think they do. Mm. I think it's a little bit different, like a, um, a, a, a Suburban or a Tahoe. If there's anything that I would compare those to, you're going to laugh, but I think they drive just like my Camaro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe not so far off. I think just because everything is so basic on the car, it's not overly engineered, uh, you know, probably leaf spring or, or whatnot. Yeah, definitely probably. body on frame, which the which the Discovery is not. Right. Uh, I think it might be, actually. No? I'm willing to wager a couple a couple uh, glasses of vino over this <laughs> one. I'll have to look that up. But, uh, no, it probably, I was thinking in my mind, you know, the Suburban probably drives just like a pickup truck. More, more along those lines. The the difference I would say is the the pickups. They have a lot more um, body movement because right. they're rolled to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of like rattle around and stuff, which isn't as comfortable. Right. But this Land Rover is still designed to have you know off road capabilities, and that's I think that comes through in the even the street driving experience. You get a sense of that. But with the Suburbans and and they're not designed to go off-roading, really. I don't know what they are designed for, just to go down the road, I can say, and carry a lot of people and stuff. Well, okay, yes. Yeah. So so the Suburban, what is the Suburban? It's the, it is the Move America vehicle. It is the family <laughs> vehicle of America. Let's cross America's highways. And, you know, as an, as a, you know, an American guy, I've come to appreciate that because I've done quite a few miles on America's highways. And, Many Having different cars can just roll down the road like that is something to to respect, and the the Land Rover does not do that. No, um, you know, I do not I, want to drive across the country in this Land Rover because the steering input is heavy. It's yes. very tiring after a while. Even the throttle input, everything just feels like it takes effort. So, at let's say you know we were talking about what it might cost to spec one up. It's seventy grand today. You would you would buy one. I don't know if I would buy, maybe. I mean, it, it gets close to the a basic full-on Range Rover at that point. Um, and it's probably way more comfortable and rides much nicer. I've actually never driven one. I, I wonder if it has the same heavy steering, but I imagine it doesn't. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what else I would buy for 70 grand in terms of an SUV. I, I, I don't lean towards the Suburbans, even though those probably cost maybe 50 grand. 
No, they're expensive. They're in the 60s, but you yeah. could have one for less than six, less than 70. It surprised me when I checked the price on them as well. I was thinking that with the introduction of the Defender, that the discovery was almost passe. Certainly, mm -hmm. if you needed a third row for like you know little kids, the discovery is is interesting. But the third row is not nice for any real humans. Whereas in a in a vehicle like the Suburban or something, you actually can put someone in the third row. Yeah, I think the Discovery is marketed towards the person who can't quite afford the full-size Range Rover uh, and who wants something, who might be a loyalist to maybe Land Rover. They want uh, something a bit cheeky. Right, something a little bit different. It still has nice style, like I was driving around Jupiter, Florida, which is a very nice area, very wealthy, a lot of money, and I saw a lot of, you know... Um, a lot of nice Range Rovers and other SUVs and things like that. And in this Discovery, I didn't feel so much like a pedestrian because it still looked nice. It had nice style and flair to it. And um, But uh, I could still rub shoulders with them without having to spend all the money that they maybe spent. So Steven says, buy, I say pass. I agree, it does still look good there. I like the styling. A lot of people didn't like that awkward rear window. For whatever reason, I like it. I like it too. Um, yeah. And yeah, I like it much better than the Sport, the Discovery Sport. Oh, Discovery Sport. Let's not even talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about Suburbans, uh, and you mentioned uh, when we were talking before how you wanted to rent a Suburban uh, for one of your journeys uh, during your week but you got something else. What was that something else for the for the listeners? Well, so I, well, I'll start you guys at the beginning. I'll, I'll go in chronological order of the week. So I, 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 on this week, I flew to Houston and I spent a few days in Houston for work and then I had to go down to Mexico for work. And um, so in Houston, I got there and I love renting with National. I don't know if anyone here rents with National, but I would highly recommend them as a company to rent within the US because yeah. You get to choose whatever car you want. So you rent a like full-size car and then you go out and you look at the whole parking lot and you say, okay, I want this one. Or you go over to that one, you don't like it, you walk over to the next car, choose that. Beautiful concept. I can't go back after having that experience. And that's not a premium kind of membership or anything. That's for anybody who uses National, they'll be able to do that. If you uh, don't rent regularly with National, they they uh, restrict which aisles you can select from. So there's a slightly smaller selection, but even so, you get to choose between 20 cars. I mean, it's uh, you have a great variety of choice every time. So as a car person, you gotta love that, right? So I've rented all kinds of cars from National, from Volvos to Fords to BMWs. And so this is the second time actually I've, I've rented an X3 from National. It was a uh, there were a few cars there. There was a there was a Q3, but I said we don't want that. We have one. Let's try something else. And so we saw the X3, which is the car that we were cross shopping. I was there with my wife, and so we got in, and uh, and it was uh, it was neat to give it a little bit of a comparison to my car, the Q3 that we ended up with. Um, definitely, it, it just as soon as we got in, the BMW felt dated from a design perspective, and the materials felt markedly less expensive. Mm. which was interesting because I, I've come to the realization lately that Audi is sort of pushing to be a more premium brand than BMW. 
And I yeah. didn't realize that. Historically, that wasn't necessarily always the case, right? Right. I think from a from the German powerhouses, Audi used to be kind of third tier compared to BMW and Mercedes. With, in my opinion, Mercedes being the top. <laughs> <laughs> not, not necessarily everyone agrees. You know, my my uncle, who's a big Audi guy, would definitely disagree, and say that would be his top. Over the years, he's been loyal to to Audi. I'm yeah. a big Audi guy, but I completely agree with your ranking. It was it was always uh, Mercedes, BMW, and then Audi. And now I think Audi's out there battling it out with Mercedes. Right. But, I mean, we could get into it. Uh, you've talked about how much you like you know, the BMW 7 Series and stuff. So it seems like you've moved away from Mercedes and maybe BMW has gone up in your ranking. Yeah, right now my ranking has probably turned... Um, Audi, BMW, and Mercedes, which is interesting how that's how that's happened. Although I can't get over the kidney grills on some of the new BMWs, so I'm you know wishy-washy on that. But you know we we drove the uh, car around, and it was interesting. A totally different car than the Q3. I mean, they're pretty comparable size-wise. The X3 definitely felt a little bit bigger, but the two biggest differences for me: number one, the powertrain. Audi totally fucked it up with the Q3's powertrain. So? They, they both have two liter four cylinders and the X3 feels like a rocket ship versus the Q3. I mean, it feels slow, my car. And hey, it doesn't really matter because you're not driving it so fast anyway and it's not about that. But the difference is really substantial. I, I, I couldn't believe how, how many worlds they're apart as, as well as the sophistication of it of the engine and the and the uh, transmission. I mean, just a way better engine transmission package in the BMW. Yeah, interesting. And your car is is what your 2020 Q3? 2022 Q3, and this was a 2020 X3. 2020 X3. Which they haven't changed. Right? No, they have not. No. Um, no, and you know, I had the opportunity to drive your Q3 a little bit here in New York City once you return from from houston um and i definitely get a sense of that sluggishness even though we're in new york city and we're not driving very fast even if you want to change lanes and get ahead of someone i never felt like the car was fully in the right rev range or or could quickly uh, maneuver over um the way i would like it to or it involves a less than luxurious triple downshift right you know, get into the power band. And once you're in the power band, the two liter in that car is definitely not singing. It's more like straining. Yeah, no, it does not like the top end. Yeah. So uh, that was a huge thing. Um, and then the, the other big difference was the um, was the ride comfort and sort of the, the style of drive of the BMW versus the Audi. So the BMW, I, I never realized it you know having driven it in isolation but they most definitely took american cars as their sort of um target like uh, experience of the way that it drives it drove like a big chevy tahoe or something in a good way i really like that like very very almost a little bit like um bouncy but in a soft way it had extremely soft suspension you know, kind of would jiggle over bumps, but you wouldn't feel any of it because it's so soft. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Audi, it, totally controlled driving experience, very locked down, 
it, it maybe you feel the bumps a little more, but it, it, it no no body movement whatsoever. Right. It's completely different worlds from that perspective. Yeah. If anything, you know, the Q3, you definitely see the relationship to the T1 or, or other Volkswagens in terms of how it rides on the road. Um, and it's interesting how you talk about the X3 being a little floaty or, or bouncy. And I wonder how that affects, obviously you're not taking an X3 for the performance around corners, but BMW having always been the the driver's car and focusing on that, I wonder if they, because the X3 is more focused on the average driver day to day, maybe going grocery shopping, things like that. They specifically kind of tune the suspension and everything for that rather than being stern about being German in a sports car company uh, and keeping that kind of stiff suspension feel. Well, it's, it's interesting, actually, because everyone says, you know, all of the car magazines say in this most recent generation that the X3 was the more interesting car versus the 3 Series. Hmm. And, uh, you know, it, interestingly enough, as soft as it was, maybe there was more body roll going into the corners. I didn't have any problem with the way that it cornered. Um, well, you were also driving around, what, Houston with this car? Well, believe it or not, there's some curves in <laughs> Houston. Uh, by the way, another shout out, I love Houston, which is uh, very surprising for, for a you know native New Yorker. Uh, Houston turns out to be a great city. I suppose I could get tired of how flat it is, but a really cool place. Check it out. Um, now, it, you know, it's difficult for me to say, like, you know, which I really liked better. The BMW's driving, there was something very compelling about it. It, it handled really well. It did a lot of things great. Major issue with brakes on modern BMWs, extremely touchy. Experienced it in both the 3 Series that I had and that X3. Um, but, you know, I think all in all, I'm happy I took the Q3, especially considering it's like a five grand plus less proposition versus the the X3, you know, to have things such as adaptive cruise control and whatnot, which you can't even get in the X. So, right, so it's cheaper and you get more features. And the drive quality of the X3 does not make up for uh, for those other benefits in, in the Q3. Correct. The Q3 feels more sophisticated, and even though the powertrain is less refined, somehow the experience as a whole feels a little more refined. It just feels a touch more luxurious. feels germ Germanic luxury. Mm -hmm. No, I get that. And Audi definitely has been focusing on their technology in their car. And when I was in there... The gauges and the infotainment look very sharp and, and, and nice. They do. You could see how people are, are moving to them for that alone, right? Because for some people, the drive just doesn't even matter. Right. But anyway, so then I, uh, I flew down to, uh, oh, the final thing on it. My Audi has uh, a thinner profile tires than that X3. Right, you have I, a sport package, right, on the Q3. I do, which I like. It looks great and everything. I think that I like larger profile tires on street cars better yeah you've been historically the last few years you've grown old and and have uh, appreciated uh, a thicker sidewall it's interesting my camaro has thin sidewalls but it doesn't seem to matter on that car which is unusual I'd, I'd say that's the only car i've ever owned where the thin sidewalls didn't affect me it has extremely great ride comfort but you can feel the thin sidewalls on the q3 um Anyway, we went to went to Mexico, 
got in and I was I'd rented a I'd rented a suburban, right? I was looking for a suburban. I had a bunch of people to carry around to go visit some suppliers and uh you know, of course, it, renting cars in Mexico for anyone who hasn't done it is always a faff. You, <laughs> you get there and there's like a long process of filling out the documentation and they ask you questions and they're typing all of these things in the computer and you're like wondering what could they possibly be typing into the computer? Like I've already made the reservation. All of my data is there. Like what are they doing? Are, are there multiple companies like there are here in the US in terms of renting cars or is there just one that no, it's it's most of the U.S. companies are there. So Avis, uh, Hertz, you know. They use National there as well, or or National no. not operate there. National does operate there, but it's not the same program. So it depends on the city you go to in Mexico, which rental car company you should go with. In Monterey, the best car company to rent with is definitely Avis. They have the nicest, newest cars, and their services directly in the airport improves the experience dramatically. You got to just know your way to navigate in Mexico. There are always these little tidbits that you figure out after some time or getting screwed over somehow. No, absolutely. And that's good, you know, top travel tips for our listeners. If you're traveling <laughs> to Monterrey, Mexico, use Avis for your rental car. Right. Usually. And I do highly recommend going to check out Monterrey, which is not uh, a usual destination spot for U.S. folk uh, who travel down there, but it's a lovely, lovely city and nestled around the mountains. Um, good food and yeah, really cool place. And great driving roads, believe it or not, um, especially if you go out to Coahuila. But, uh, you know, so so they said, no, we don't have that, but what we do have for you is a really, really nice 2020 Kia Sedona minivan. And I'm like, oh man, not the minivan. I was hoping for a Suburban, you know? And so I said, okay, like you don't have anything else big and they don't have any other seven passenger vehicles. So we go out to the minivan and inevitably like yeah, I get in it and I'm like, wow, this thing looks pretty beat. And I checked the, like the mileage is like a hundred thousand kilometers on it. And, you know, <laughs> this thing had seen Mexico in, in its two years of existence and it was ready to, it was ready to be turned off to its next owners, in my opinion, um, <laughs> put out to pasture, so to speak. <laughs> But so I, I turn it on, you know, they always have, they show you in Mexico, the most important thing you got to, another top travel tip for Mexico car rentals is don't rent a, uh, don't rent a car in Mexico unless you've checked the tires are not like screwed up flat and that you have your spare tire because, you know, Mexico is very rural when you leave the cities. And, you know, I could just imagine what a nightmare it would be to be stuck out in the middle of nowhere, no spare tire. So anyway, they always show you that. Uh, when you rent the cars there because they know that's good but this one i get in and the and the uh the tire light is on and so i check the pressures and the one's really low so wait hold on you didn't remember to check the the car had to remind you to check the tires no I, before i had even gone around and done my visual inspection i turned the car on to check the fuel level because they have to like record it on the the data sheet on how much <laughs> fuel they leave you with and uh and the tire light is on and i'm like oh man so i check it and then i go out and look at the tire visually and i can't see anything and they're like oh no worries we'll just patch the tire and i was like no way i'm not doing this and ending up you know who knows where you know blown out patch tire it's going to ruin my whole trip so they brought me over another car which was a uh, brand new toyota camry which didn't even have license plates on it and I was like, hmm, I wonder, I was thinking to myself, like, is anyone going to hassle me in Mexico for driving a car with no plates? Like, I wouldn't be so worried in the U.S., but it did cross my mind. 
I mean, not so much because I drove it, but <laughs> <laughs> it didn't prevent you from taking it out. Right, I took it, um, but it was uh, it was a definite rental spec Camry base, like the the kind of like matte rental white paint, <laughs> not matte, but you know what I mean, like that white paint that they paint the rental cars like fleet white. Yeah, the basic white, which I will mention, every car in Florida is white. That white, they're all that fleet yeah. white. Yes. <laughs> uh and it had you know black cloth interior but it was brand new and i have to say after having after being in that sedona for a minute getting into this it felt really high quality so i uh i drove that back it, this one was there was a big uh nag with that camry if i if i could complain about it for one second which was that you couldn't turn off the lane keep assistance really so it was always like perhaps you could and I couldn't figure it out it was like midnight and I'd had a long week already but I could not for the life of me figure it out. out it was not easy what's that it was not easy no well and they care about safety and you know they probably don't want their drivers to you know or don't think their drivers would want to turn that off well in Mexico that's uh, it's no good because you don't use the lanes in Mexico that you have to drive using the entirety of the road. Right. right. And so I'm, I'm crossing my, I'm, I'm doing my usual, you know, on these, there's a sweeping highway that you take to get into Monterey from the airport and you can go really fast on this highway and you use the entirety of the road and they're big banked corners and I'm doing my usual progress. Yeah, hitting the apex, and I'm, but as I'm doing it, I'm battling the steering wheel as I'm crossing through the lanes. So I'm turning on the blinkers as I'm going on my <laughs> to let me cross over the lanes without interference. This, this crazy uh, New Yorker who's in Mexico without license plates, turning on their blinkers as they're <laughs> accelerating onto the highway. Yeah, so. Uh, but I, I will say the Camry was very nice to drive. It felt sophisticated, really quiet, a comfortable ride, great car. My second experience driving a Camry in Mexico, actually, I had one in Baja, California earlier in um, in the year, and it, that was excellent as well. Really handles really well around the corners. It, more like a, at the closer to the level of something like a 5 Series BMW than you would expect. It, it almost feels like that classic car. But as we just talked about, 25 grand not a uh, not a cheap car considering that it's very basic overall right. you know nothing no like real luxury features or tech or anything well it did, it did have car play but you know how the toyota tech is a little kind of basic yeah yeah no, i mean i guess at that price point what else could you get we've mentioned in the past talking about the, your jetta that you had down there when you were living there and how much car that is for the money. I believe you said it was like 13,000 US dollars that you can get a base Jetta with a manual um, and how nicely that kind of rides the Mark 7. Yeah, I, I think that's a better deal. This did feel a touch more sophisticated than that. You know, powertrain was quieter, more comfortable. Materials that felt like a Toyota, they felt like they would last, right? That's, I guess that's why, you know, I said to my colleague who rode with me, I said, I guess I get why people buy Toyotas. They just they keep going. Yes, and I think for people who want just something that they can feel comfortable with, there's 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 something to be said for that. I, I get the brand and and what they're after. So, no, absolutely. My my only experience with Camrys have been from those kind of people, you know, friends who whose parents uh, 
swear by Toyota. They grew up with it, don't really care so much for the car they drive and trust it because it always worked for their parents. And, you know, they've given me the wheel on journeys, road trips, and I can see it, it's very basic and, and nothing special, but it rides fairly nice. And, you know, for the money and last decades and decades, I, I can see why they're popular for sure. No, it definitely, you know, but obviously for guys like us, the, the Camry is not the most interesting of cars, right? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting how Volkswagen, though, has got this image where, you know, people like us are okay to have them, right? Like what, what did VW do? They're not so different than a Toyota, but just these little touches that somehow connect to us as car guys. It's an interesting thing to consider, perhaps a topic for another time, but... Yeah. Uh, I, I returned the Camry and I had to do a flight within Mexico and I got a really cool car. I don't know how cool it is, but the concept of it was cool. I drove a new MG. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know they even made new MGs, especially sold them in, uh, in Mexico. Well, the interesting thing about Mexico is that they have most of the cheap car brands, the cheap global car brands that we don't have in the U.S. Right, and like MG, what's that? A lot of European cheaper cars. Skoda, Seat, they have all of those, plus all the Asian stuff. They have Korean, um, Chinese, Japanese cars that we don't have, you know, mm. all of it, right? And and Russian cars, actually, interestingly enough. <laughs> um Maybe not anymore. Yeah, great point. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Yeah, all of the rich folks in San Pedro won't be able to drive their Russian SUVs anymore. The, the, the Russian car that they marketed in Mexico is a like Land Rover Defender sort of copy, but they sold it new. Huh. Interesting. Um, so the MG, a 1.5 liter uh, CVT automatic, uh, <laughs> four-door sedan doesn't exactly sound like mg to me no not the the two-door british roadster that we all think of right well now mg is chinese i don't know who owns it is it is it owned by it couldn't also be owned by geely is it i don't think so i think it's a different chinese company oh interesting it's owned by saic which mm. is big um which is a big Chinese uh, car company. I've seen a lot of those over in China. Um, and so, you know, my first experience with a Chinese car, it looked really sharp. It definitely looked like a little bit cooler than most other cars that were in, around in the parking lot. And so perhaps you could see how that would appeal to buyers. I, I mean, I think it was pretty cheap. We looked at it like $13,000. It we My colleague and I were commenting on how a lot of the design elements on the inside, like even the steering wheel buttons and the key, mm -hmm. they look like Volkswagen ripoffs, like old, like Mark V Volkswagen stuff. A little bit different, but like comically similar to a Mark V Volkswagen. Yeah, I mean, I could believe that they took the intellectual property or design of <laughs> of that maybe at the time and uh, or even bought uh, whatever excess that Volkswagen had and you needed to sell it off. Like the Dacia Renault deal, right? Right, right. Dacia making the old Renault design. So it, it could be something like that, which was neat. And to that point, I have to say, this little Chinese car that could, it drove pretty well. You know, so 
in Mexico, a lot of the driving once you leave cities is on is on are on these highways, and the highways are very they have big long straights where you can go really fast. There aren't a lot of people, but also you have to be careful because conditions can be unpredictable. So you got to be ready to slow down, avoid things, you know, decent handling and whatnot. And I, I was doing 110 miles an hour comfortably for long periods in this little MG, which totally impressed me. I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, wow. Yeah. So that was it. That was a plus for the MG. Um, so how did it compare to, you know, the Jetta? We were saying the Jetta was $13,000, uh, the Mark 7. You know, how is the interior? How is the driving style of it in comparison to the Jetta? Well, I would definitely take the thirteen thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think that's a but you know it, what you wouldn't buy the Chinese MG car over the Jetta. No, but a I could large see. Volkswagen <laughs> company Jetta. I or, know why people buy these. It was like it was fully loaded for like thirteen grand. So it had like heated seats. It had uh, a big touchscreen. It had uh, you know like. Um, well, did it have anything else? <laughs> Tell me, you were oh, the one who rented it. Didn't I, well, I'm just thinking, what other features were interesting? Oh, it had it had le pleather seats probably, but not cloth, right. and it had a sunroof. Okay. And so the idea is, for 13 grand, you could have a base Jetta with no sunroof, cloth, a manual transmission, a pretty basic infotainment, or for someone who you know really isn't like a big car person. You could buy this and it's got all the features. And so I, I could see why they sell them because they drive totally fine. Um, and had you previously seen any of these on the road before? Never, actually, which was what surprised me even more that I got it as a rental car because I never saw one for my entire three-year tenure in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> a weird occurrence, but it was nice. And the guy at the rental counter told me that he was giving me an upgrade. And the, like I say, it looked pretty fancy sitting out there. Do you remember how many kilometers were on it when you picked it up? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't so heavily used. It maybe had around like 50,000 kilometers. Okay. It wasn't, you know, 25,000 miles for a middle of nowhere Mexico car rental. It was pretty decent. Um, the... Uh, uh, the biggest miss, though, was it had a, a Chinese infotainment system. You know, yeah. like using a Huawei telephone versus an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm definitely an iPhone kind of guy. You know, it was like you had to pre – it was so hard to get to anything. Like even the the fan controls were on the touchscreen. You had to cycle through menus and, you know, CarPlay, when you plugged your phone in, it looked like it was an aftermarket thing because it filled the screen and it was slightly pixelated. Like oh, you know, The resolution didn't fit quite right. It didn't fit quite right. It was just <laughs> a little bit off. It was totally Chinese. <laughs> well, I would think, you know, since China is the big hub of, of manufacturing a lot of this tech that they would be able to know how to make it you know, look nice. They, they pretty much develop and build a lot of the technology in the world, but I guess if it's not, um, you know, designed by an outside, you know, company, whether Korea or Japan or the U.S., maybe they don't quite know how to how to build that on their own. Or care. Right, or care to, you know. That's Correct. Good I, I would say the design of this infotainment, it was clear that there was just a lack of care in, in you know, seeing the details, which, hey, at a certain point is a $13,000 car. you got to lack a little bit of care. No, absolutely. I'd be curious, you know, how that car 
sells even in China. You know, how ma- how many of those sell there versus how many do they sell in Mexico or the other countries that they they distribute to? It's a, it's a curious thing. Um, and this was a brand new car. This was, is it like a 2022 model or has it been around for at least a year or two? This one was a 2020 as well. Um, it seems that they didn't get a lot of, in most places, it seems to me lately that nobody's really updated their rental car fleets during mm-hmm. COVID, which makes sense. New cars yeah, not are- everyone's traveling. They might not have the demand. And cars are very expensive now. Right. So uh, you got to get what you can take. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, then I then I went back to Monterey and uh, I needed a big truck, you know, finally to take everyone around. And so I called them and they said, OK, we'll ex- exchange your Camry for for a Sedona. And I was like, is it the same Sedona with the flat tire? <laughs> you know, I don't want that. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 it'll be a new Sedona. So I get there and I'm talking to the lady at the counter. It's another long procedure as always, you know, and of course we were delayed hours and hours in Mexico City. So it was midnight again. <laughs> and uh, and uh, she's like, oh no, it's the same Sedona. They just fixed the tire. I was like, I don't want that Sedona. <laughs> so we're waiting for like a half hour for the guy to come with the car and he never comes. I'm like, listen, lady, we got to do something here. It's 12 o'clock. Like I'm got to go to bed, you know? And uh, so she goes, okay, follow me. We'll drive to like this place. And I'm envisioning to myself, what some gringo who didn't speak Spanish would like do in this situation. Like I'm going to like follow this lady down some like dark streets behind the airport at midnight. <laughs> They're going to rob me. Right. <laughs> But, you know, I knew right, stop, stop right. bothering me at midnight. I, I don't want to work right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. So she took me to like the depot where they had all the cars mm. and the guys were all there. I don't know what they were doing, but they had this really nice uh, half the mileage Sedona waiting for me in a much nicer color. It was gray rather than rental car white. <laughs> nice. OK, so they did have one tucked away for you. I had one tucked away for me. Or they so just, I- you know, painted it a different color and. <laughs> No, it was it was the real deal, different car. Okay. Uh, the Sedona, I don't know much about it. I don't even know if that existed in the U.S., but felt like a bigger van, big tires, um, like very tall. Felt like a bit, you know, not just a regular minivan size. Uh, definitely like a size and a half of a regular minivan, more like a commercial vehicle. Um, and I really liked it. You know, it, it, the big big tires are always good in, in Mexico, and we had to go off the beaten path to visit some suppliers, and it was rock stable on the highway. I was doing 90, 100 with the van full of people, and like nothing on these big Mexican highways. You remember the one that goes out of Monterey up the hills to mm-hmm. San Diego with the mountains on the side? And yeah. Looking at all of that, it's beautiful, and you know, you got a big view out, CarPlay. So uh, it, it was, honestly, it was great. And you know, we looked at the price of these, 30 grand, I see, I, I'm sure they sold a lot of these in Mexico. It was a great car for that country, especially for the money and transporting people long distances. So Kia's come a long way. They do make pretty compelling products, you know, definitely priced cheaper than the competition with, you know, some some decent driving dynamics. No, definitely. And you had, you know, for a bit of time, a, a Kia Sorento uh, with you there in, in Rhode Island. And, and you were mentioning to me that this drove much nicer than that Sorento. Yeah, you know, I'm of the belief that they haven't figured out their four-wheel drive system yet because I also had a Sorento in Mexico, which was front-wheel drive, and it drove a lot better. 
than the four-wheel drive model I had in Rhode Island. I think like all the tires were tugging at each other or something. It wasn't quite right. You know, you drive down the highway and just always sort of crabbing about, but uh, you know, no, this was, this was great. It was, it was a totally decent, uh, decent van, nice experience. And Hey, as an autoholic, I did have a, a hard work week, but it was fun to get to drive four new distinct cars to me. Right. Yeah. All very different, all very similar years, you know, around 2020 and see, uh, how car manufacturers, what they were doing with their cars and the technology that was in them and how they've aged, even though two years ago, isn't terribly long ago, but technology moves fast, you know, how the ergonomics and the design, um, have, have aged and, and how they ride. 2020 cars feel old now. <laughs> It's seriously like the technology has moved on, you know, like they, that was still like the last generation of infotainment in many ways, you know, with with CarPlay and things just getting more integrated and and, and probably had the touch screen capability rather than everything going through uh, some sort of cursor or knob or, or or button rather than, you know, just simply being able to press and utilize the screen directly. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, I was impressed, by the way, that Sedona had CarPlay, which it was the kind of car you wouldn't expect to have CarPlay. Well, I feel like if you have a minivan, you know, a bunch of kids, you got to have someone plug in whatever they want to listen to and, and be satisfied. Yeah. So. No, that's awesome. That's a good array of cars. And, uh, you know, thank you for sharing that experience. I'll have to write up a few a uh, few rental car reviews. I, I have I have always the, the the looming threat to write some rental car reviews, and I never seem to get to it. <laughs> right. Well, it sounds like the best one of those was the X3. Would you agree? Oh yeah, by by a long shot. The X3 was great. What um, would come number two? <laughs> you're going to be shocked about this. The Sedona. Wow. Okay. Sedona is my number two choice out of times that week. <laughs> minivan guy right here. Yeah, yeah. And Can I trade the Q3 for a Sedona minivan? Uh, not quite yet, but uh, maybe one day. We should have bought that that uh, Eurovan way back when we had the chance. Remember the green one with a stick? Yes, yeah. It was a diesel too, right? No, it was the... They had some like weird motor in those. It was. It's a five-cylinder motor. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like a 2.5 liter five cylinders, I recall, straight five. Yeah, that was a gorgeous, gorgeous Eurovan. And now they're going for a good amount of money. Yeah, everyone right. wants to drive around the country and camp in them. We could have bought it, done the, you know, I've always been pitching these guys on a Newfoundland trip to drive up to Labrador in Newfoundland. And, you know, we could have done that trip and then sold it for like 25 grand now. <laughs> <laughs> we missed our opportunity. We did. We'll have to find something else then. Well, that sounds like a fun week. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, we look forward to hearing about your other reviews in the future uh, when you go traveling. Yeah, Which I'll, I'll have a few coming up. In May, I'll be in Europe. So back to back to sixth, one of my favorites. And we'll see how I do there. So stay stay pending. You'll get some good, a few more reviews from me. Some good co consumer advice from the autoholic. Rental car companies and rental cars. <laughs> yes. All right. Take care, Ron. Okay, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Autoholics Anonymous by the Autoholic. Tune into future episodes and follow our adventures at www.the-autoholic.com or on Instagram at the.autoholic and Twitter at 
the autoholic straight through stay safe but don't forget to drive fast and take chances thanks music by stephen diamond